You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello. Welcome back to the pod. My name is Maddie. I'm Scout, and we are the sisters behind OKSIS podcast, and I am feeling, we went straight into this intro. We just did a four-hour manifestation workshop with my coach, Amy Natalie, and I want to hear your thoughts because we literally ended it about three minutes ago. I know. We're just like, on to the next. On Um, to the next. You know, as the sisterhood knows, I am dipping my toes into the manifestation world a la Lacey Phillips, and I am well under my way um, in the pathway, the cult pathway, lol. Not a cult. It's not a cult, but uh, we call it the cult. No, you call it the cult. I call it the cult. Nobody else Um, calls it the cult. It's a great cult. Everyone should uh, look into it. Um, But I'm, I'm just, I'm learning the basics. I'm, I'm really understanding how powerful the practice is. Um, Learning a lot of science behind it for all of those non-spirituality girls out there that are like me who are like, eh, eh, what are you talking about? This Stuff is actually more so about neural pathways and shifting uh, past experiences and okay. subconscious. And I asked you how I, you I, feel. I, I'm trying to set this up because people need to understand that I just did like a whole 180 on this, and I want under I want people to understand why. Okay, okay. as if you haven't spoken about this before. I'm just look. We might have some new sisters. Good they point. might need to know and have some backstory. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> shut the fuck up, Blair. Shut the fuck up. 
of okay so for those who didn't understand that reference scouts friends husband now husband now husband um we were once in a bar at laguna beach lol going to bars and he you know how everyone you know how everyone knows that i'm really loud like you guys know this i mean if you're listening to okay says you know this um and he went to me he says you know who you remind me of <laughs> um wait what's her name i don't know oh no from curb your enthusiasm oh my god for some S- reason i want to say shirley no, but no, it's not oh shirley god, wait this is no this is not good Oh, okay. Um, I don't have my phone on me. I can't look it Me neither. Oh, my God. This is so embarrassing. Okay. Well, it's his best friend's wife. Yeah. Sherry? No. Oh, my God. Sharon? I don't know why I feel like it's an SH. Oh, no. Barbara? No. (laughs) This is so embarrassing. She wears the most outrageous clothing. Okay. Whatever. So, this is how she sounds. Okay. Pull the mic back. Pull the mic back. Okay. uh, Everyone, put down your volume a little bit. Shut the fuck, Leah. Get the fuck out of here, Leah. <laughs> and he was like, you sound like her. And it was both both the like most insulting thing and the like most complimentary thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, so every now and then you use that exact tone of voice. Susie! Susie! Oh I knew it was an Oh my God! I, wow, thank God. Okay, anyways, moving on. So... Um, I'm dipping my toes in the manifestation. So we just, uh, Scout gifted me this manifestation workshop. Um, it was about four hours on this lovely Saturday, um, that I came to San Diego to do it with her and it was delightful. I mean, a lot of the principles and the setup, um, I have already learned from Lacey Phillips. So I felt a little more comfortable kind of surrendering to the process. We did some breath work, which like, if you haven't done breath work, it's a trip. Like it's so who intense. needs drugs when you have breath work? Yeah. It's every time I go into a breath work, I get scared because it's just such it was a in, yeah. physically altering situation. Boy, it, get, it like brings a lot of anxiety. It's a very strange sensation, but you like really, it tests your mental strength yeah. and acuity. And then you release after. There's so oh, much release. You release. Okay, that's good. That's a nice. That was a nice facial expression. I think the best best part of the whole workshop was the embodiment. I've never done that before. Where she put a song at at the end. We kind of called in one specific thing we were manifesting, and for me, it was financial gain from the podcast. What's up, sisters? And for us to like finally do this as a full time job. So. I was, you know, calling that in and, and then she put on this song and then it was so serendipitous that I was actually in the same room with you because we were just dancing silly and it felt like authentic to the actual dynamic we have on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So it was this perfect blend of like release and, and authenticity, but then just like us being so silly and laughing and it was the per, and that's what I want for this podcast and why it's been successful in the past regardless. So it was like a perfect embodiment of that manifestation. Yeah, totally. I loved it. I went into the workshop wanting to focus on OKSIS, and then I really found out that those manifestations that I have for OKSIS are truly already in play, and I don't really have any limiting beliefs or fears. Like, I've totally surrendered to the universe. I'm taking action. So I've already kind of rooted that OKSIS manifestation, and, and I do believe that it's completely the wheels have totally been set into motion. Um, so I focused on a different, more personal desire because the workshop was called Desire. And it felt really good to recognize the limiting beliefs and fear around that and then to release those and fully claim what I want in this lifetime. So um, it was really, and it was nice to do it with you. I felt a little weird because usually when I do work like this, I'm alone and I, 
I feel kind of safe in that aloneness. Like there's no one really around me that I know, but doing it with someone who's so close to me, I felt in the beginning a sense of like anxious vulnerability in the sense that I think I'm a different person when I go through my healing process and I can, I like to let go and not have eyeballs on me. And so I thought that was an interesting thing to balance out. Yeah. Um, no, I think there's definitely pros and cons to doing the work alone, but then I think it felt right to do it with you because what I was calling in pertained to our relationship. So yeah, totally. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, you know, just going off the chill vibes, the spirituality vibes. Have you listened to Evermore? I have listened to Evermore. Um, it did not punch grab me like folklore did. And I I think that, I think I was, I think obviously there's a lot coming out of her this year, but I think potentially launching Evermore so close to folklore was like made us immediately compare the two. And so I think that that well, she did. also set it up to be compared. She said it's her the sister album, and it it very much feels like an extension of folklore. Like it can, yeah. it could have those songs could have been on folklore. Yeah, there was just something less poignant around Evermore. I think because folklore was such a different genre, or we've never seen her step into that type of artistry. I think that was such a shock to all of us. And we were so into it. Whereas now it's like, oh wait, we know what you can do. And yeah. I mean, no, the songs are, look, the songs are great. I, my first gut, I love Willow and I love, um, oh, well, this is, I should have come prepared. There was one, there's the one right after the Haim song. Oh my God, Haim, why am I saying Haim? Sorry. Um, the one after the Haim Oh my God, who are you? Oh my God, I'm having a stroke. Am yeah, I okay? This is, this is not okay. Okay, you need to Heim. apologize. I'm sorry, hi. Like, I love you. Please come on the pod. <laughs> I'm yeah. obsessed. But I'm going to say something really controversial. And it's like really pains me to say this. I hated the song mm. that Haim is on because it's like, is it's it a little champ- too country. It's a little too country folksy for me. I'm Was not- it the Champagne Problems one? No, no, no. It's called. Again, sorry. It's I, been a day since the album. We don't know the names yet. But um, the Heim song, they don't, they don't even sing on it. I think they're playing on it. Um, and um, it's like about a murder mystery, and it's a country folk song. And I'm like, oh, unsubscribe. that sounds great. I want to listen. Um, I don't think I listened to that one. I think I only, I only got through like the first four, maybe. The but back half of the album is, a, is, I believe, a lot, a lot better. Oh, okay. And this is like just brings up such a shitty part of the creative process is that every time you put something out the expectations of the next one are so high Mm -hmm. that it's almost impossible to meet those expectations and then people are disappointed they're comparing like the second one can't just live on its own right that's so upsetting it's upsetting but also i was listening to um the ringer did a podcast of like first impressions of evermore and uh they were saying that apparently some of the songs were written like last week so it's like was there like a rush is was it rushed like well didn't she didn't she launch it on her birthday what or something no it's not her birthday oh maybe it was someone else's birthday who said wow taylor swift launched it on my birthday oh well no it's not her birthday oh i Um, thought there was like a a reason no but it was uh, but that's why i'm thinking like why why did it have to be so rushed like why couldn't she have sat with some of this i'm not saying that any of them are are bad or are or, you know, even close to bad, but just like, was there a unnecessary push 
to get this yeah. out. I don't know. I'm like, okay, why don't why let's like fucking relax. Yeah. Or why? I, I mean, I think she'll obviously come out with like a little video on the whole thing, but like, why did she feel the need to produce the sister album of folklore so quickly? Like, yeah. why didn't she let? Why didn't she let folklore live, live and breathe yeah. and then come into the next iteration of herself? Why did she feel the need to create a sequel that fast? Yeah, I mean, she said it. She was like, uh, "We just couldn't stop writing. Like, it just it was flowing out of us." And I and I can sense that it's it's a beautiful experience that they all these songwriters went through and these mm-hmm. um yeah these songwriters and they obviously had this very incredible incubation period during quarantine and and there was just a lot of emotions but i feel like you could have sat on it for a little longer yeah you know? i don't well, know she'll 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 say why she yeah. did this obviously it was an emotional decision regardless we're, we are grateful we are yeah. eternally grateful for new t swift oh my god do you remember when we were t swift haters yeah it's like, an upsetting moment in what time were i try we to forget thinking? about I know, it I'm re- i've repressed it yeah, I, I don't want to like go back and delete every episode where we bashed oh T God. Swift. I, like, who? We're so rude. Like, yeah, we ugh. were. Well, we've evolved, we've and evolved. we not only did we have we evolved, we righted our wrote wrote our wrongs. We oh wow, oh wow, we're having um, strokes. <laughs> well, we just like came out of like a lot of meditation. Yeah, and there's just work. like so much mental stagnation and emotional energy flowing within us. Okay, it's not mental stagnation. No, I just like that word. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's good. So, anyways, yes, um, beautiful album. Uh, really proud of the new place she's taken obviously she's listening to her emotional reaction so um we can't wait to hear maybe a little bit more about the backstory of the album like she did with folklore and yeah yeah um a little update sisters if you have been watching our hanukkah ig lives they have been so fun i've loved connecting with other jewish creators and accounts and you know we've although we are super Jews, um, we haven't really tapped into like the Jewish influencer space and like connected with other Jewish people on the internet, which is so strange. So like, we're so excited to do this Hanukkah IG live and we've just been connecting with people that we, we just haven't had the chance to, and it's been delightful. So if you, um, haven't checked it out, Hanukkah is still going on. So we have a couple more days this week with, um, a bunch more lives every day at 10 AM PST, 1 PM EST on, uh, the okay sis Instagram. Yeah. And if you miss any of them and want to go back and rewatch, they're saved all to our IGTV. So you can go back and listen to, we had like some, technical difficulties today and in our one with um alma but we we figured it out we figured it out we got we got it um we got it you know tech issues 2020 yeah all the tech issues 2020 so anyway sisters um we would love it if you like this podcast if you gain any value from me and mads um you know vomiting our thoughts out loud on a mic um please uh subscribe rate and review we love it when we get reviews we love it when we get ratings and what really helps us is you guys spreading the word so if if you have a favorite episode that you think a friend would benefit from, feel free to text it over to them. You can share podcast episodes, which is really fun. Which is so fun. And like, there is something so exciting coming, sisters. Oh, yeah. Mads and I couldn't even work yesterday because we got some good news. We, we got, got some good some news. insanely exciting news. And I wish I could tell everyone. 
you guys are going to shit yourselves. Okay, well, we can't tell them for like another month and a half. So yeah, sorry. Let's not like- I know. I just like, it's top of mind. I'm just feeling this up leveling. I'm ready. I'm just like ready. And thank you, like- sisters, for just being on this ride with us. And like, just this is the best. Oh this is my. so fun. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you're being a major tease. And now we're going into like an emotional, like award acceptance speech <laughs> moment for you. So anyways, let's get into this episode because it... it we have dr (laughs) sheila on dr sheila nazarian oh my gosh this episode is so good (laughs) i i don't know what to say because as i've already edited it before we're talking about this intro and her energy is so purposeful on fire intentional inspirational like she has a passion within herself. She moves and doesn't care who doesn't like her movements. She right. moves anyways. So if you don't, if you're not familiar with Dr. Sheila Nazarian, she is a famous um, plastic surgeon in Los Angeles. She also has a whole Netflix show about her, like you know, huge flex. Um, and she has kind of revolutionized the plastic surgery industry. Not only because she's a woman in the industry, which is very male dominated, she is a big proponent of natural. Uh, plastic surgery and enhancing your your power and your looks rather than like transforming you and you know um, yeah if you want like huge triple quadruple million big size boobs hits uh she will not she will, she will, she will kick no. you out the door which there's nothing wrong with that it's just that's not her that's, that's not, not her vibe not to do zillion tits okay maybe just like a double d we'll end at the double d no you can go a little bigger than that Oy. But I mean, your back will hurt. But yeah, but yeah. yeah, we don't we don't want. She she is she is a proponent for the natural. Yeah, so she's really hardworking. Um, she talks a lot about what it means to be a mom and have such a high profile career. She also has a really big passion for helping other female entrepreneurs, no matter mm-hmm. no matter the industry, kind of step into their power and pave the way. So I think you sisters are going to get a lot of inspiration from this one. I know that we did, and we hope you enjoy. Happy Annika! Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring-summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. 
visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Hello. How are you? Salam, Ruby. I'm good. Ruben, thank you. <laughs> My boyfriend is Persian, so oh. I can yeah, I say... Yeah, I was like, what are you saying? Men, Maddie, Hastem. Ruby. That's all I need to know. That's all you need to know. That and Gorma Sabzi and you're good. Gorma Sabzi. Yes. <laughs> That's a form of food, Scout, just so you know. Um, I am out of the loop. I mean, maybe I can say some things in Hebrew, but definitely, definitely not Farsi. You can talk to my kids. They speak they Hebrew. They do. Ugh, I love that. They do. They're at Sinai. Oh, my God. So precious. Yeah. We are so excited that you're here. This is this is incredible. Let's do it. Should we jump into current fixations? Sure. Of course. Of course. Okay, I will start. So my current fixation is the Inner Compass card deck. Um, I've been getting really into pulling different cards and getting different decks, but this one is really special. I got it from my uh, holistic healing center, Saffron and Sage, which I talk about all the time on the podcast. Um, as I was leaving a cupping session, like totally blissed out, relaxed, like not knowing what was going on, the concierge asked if she wanted to pull a card for me. And I said, sure, I kind of wanted to get home, but why not? And she pulled three cards and I started crying. It was just so 
potent to what my intention was that I bought the deck right that like right then and there and every single morning I pull a card for myself and not only that I actually started pulling cards with my husband and it's just a nice way to kind of take a pause set an intention think about something that you want to focus on during the week and sometimes when you do that it's hard to be like this week I want to be more productive and it's vague and it's not real and it just like takes you 10 seconds with the card you have to pick you have to calm you know like slow down you get to read a paragraph you get to reflect so it's a really nice facilitator to turn inwards and reflect on your day so inner compass uh card deck i highly recommend I'm going to write that down. Scout, scout. You're, I feel like you're just cracked open emotionally these days. It just is refreshing. It's like a wound, like healing. It's great. Well, you know, the alternative is me batshit crazy. So we're, we're welcoming this, this, yes. this evolution of the emotional. Always welcoming. Okay. My group <laughs> fixation is the Productivity Planner by Intelligent Change. This is... Such a great tool. All you sisters need to incorporate this into your routine. So I've I've always struggled with productivity only because I didn't know how to define it on my own terms. And this planner really organizes all of your tasks in terms of priority, which beforehand I would just kind of like brain dump a huge list, a huge to-do list. And like if I didn't get through it, I'd be I would beat myself up. Whereas this kind of takes a more approachable stance where you put you literally max like five tasks a day. And if you only did the highest priority one, you would feel good about your day. So it just, it feels a lot more digestible. It's easy to get into. And one of my favorite things about it is this weekly review and reflection that they have at the end of each week. And how many of us kind of just like run into each week. We don't sit on a Sunday evening kind of like looking back on all the things we've highlighted and completed and actually feel pride for all we've accomplished. We kind of just like run into the next week. And it's a lot about self-assessment, self-learning and I don't know. It just brings a sense of purpose and I really, really enjoy it. It, it feels different than just like a normal planner because it does, it does uh, walk you through a, what a productive day should look like on your terms. So highly, highly recommend. Awesome. Okay. My current fixation, and I'm sorry to share it with all of you because it will ruin your life. Oh, is the telenovelas on Netflix death. I'm totally addicted. It is my escape. I am too organized with my life. I set intentions daily and weekly. In fact, Mondays, I take completely off from my practice in order to strategize, meet with the team and set the intention for the week, if not the month and the rest of the year. So um, when I have a little bit of downtime, I am totally blazed through velvet. Are they, wait, are these in Spanish with subtitles? They're in Spanish, but they're subtitles, but I speak Spanish as many of us do how many languages do you but, speak how many languages um, do you, you guys speak? i speak three not a biggie yeah it's just yeah, like nbd just like three you know no but i'm telling you guys okay so velvet's number one and then i finished that and my husband literally has to like walk in the room and unplug the tv like that's how bad it is um it's got everything it's like betrayal love good looking people the fashion like and it's like a period piece too so it's like a drama that takes place in like the bloomingdale's version of spain so there's that one. And then I finished that one. Now I'm watching Grand Hotel. 
Okay, I, act- I think I actually have heard this of this one. Yeah, like literally, if you don't have hours of your life to waste, do not start. <laughs> this sounds um, this sounds like a challenge that Maddie is up for. I know this is something right up. Like my when alleys. I do like a labiaplasty on someone, and I know they have to like rest and elevate their pelvis for the next three days. You I recommend them, this? Yeah, it's like one. I'm like, here's what you're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> This is like real housewife status. Like I no, feel like this better. is like binge. It's better. It's, I, it's better. It's better. Wait, wow. is it is it soap opera e or is it reality TV? No, no, it's soap opera. It, That's what I it's thought. Like okay. it's like curling up with a good book, except you're just watching and being completely passive. Like it's gotten to the point where I like tell myself I can't watch another episode unless I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> we like I'll to- go like and I'll say like two thousand five hundred steps all day long. Like. <laughs> Oh my god! So, did you know that Mads watched Game of Thrones in two weeks? No, because so that's I think- too much. That's like ten years of episodes. I haven't like even started, so I can't commit to ten years worth of episodes. It was can't. it was a journey, that is for sure. But no, th- this sounds really up my alley. And you know what? I feel like my brain would be massaged in a way because it's yes. in Spanish. So maybe I'll be learning a new language. You guys, it's like. I don't know. I don't know if you should be thanking me or like not or like not airing this podcast. (laughs) I'm gonna be getting DMs like Dr. Nazarian, you ruined my life. Ruined my life. No, we're all needing to broke up with my boyfriend. (laughs) I'm malnutritioned and I've been holding my urine for 20 hours. god no we're all we're always in need of new content i mean what the fuck else are we doing so we're always in need a lot of things but you know (laughs) what the fuck am i just like i I can name a few things that i'm doing but you know or you know we could go with that oh love it okay dr nazarian yes ma'am can we call you dr nazarian or do we call you sheila what do we call you let me let me ask you this question if you're nasty ready um if I if I was a male doctor on your show, what would you call me? His well, the thing name. is, well, the thing is, call me we don't name. have men on this show. No, because you know what it is. I have like I have, I have like patients walking in and they're like, "Hey, Sheila, can I call you Sheila?" I'm like, "Well, if I was an old like white doctor, would you call me Mike? Would you walk in and no. be like, hey, Mike?'" No, we call you Doctor Doctor Smith, blah, blah, blah. whatever the hell you know. So I'm like, I earn the same title. Call me whatever you'd call an old white guy. Amazing. Also, I know also that the title of Doctor is a very I shouldn't say uh, sensitive one, but <laughs> when I did my wedding invitations, I forgot to put Doctor on someone's invitation, and they fucking clap back. They were like, I did way too much school for you to address me by my first by mr whatever my name was i was like i am very sorry i will call everyone doctor i'm married to like a brain surgeon and i'll get invitations all the time or i used to that used to say doctor and missus all the time all the time but now since like whatever now it's like doctors you know whatever but I actually had a guy like not date me anymore because he said, um, I think you're great, but I don't want our wedding invitations to say Mr. Oh, and Doctor. Oh my God. No. You guys don't even know what I've been through. So here's, here's, here's our position. I call everyone doctor if I'm in their, you know, respective offices. If I'm seeing them, I would call you doctor for sure. But like in the podcast, we're a little bit informal. So we'd probably call you Sheila. But, but it. it's completely up to you because I respect the title. 
Yes, we're. I think if you would, if I was a male doctor on here and you'd call him Mike, then call me Sheila. Perfect. Okay, we're I calling you Doctor Sheila. Yeah, Doctor <laughs> Sheila. I like we're that. Gonna we're gonna call you Doctor <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> we'll do a blend. You know what I mean, though, because it's totally. a little like weird. Of you know, course. like if a guy's about to do like a rectal exam on you, would be like, "Hey, Mike, make sure you're gentle back there." Like, you know, you would never do that. It's but so meanwhile, bad. I'm like all up in their like breast augmentation or whatever, doing their measurements, and they're like, "Hey, Sheila." Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> get out of my face. Get out of my face. Oh, I love it. Okay, so let's start from the very beginning. We, I love that. Well, first of all, you are on a hit Netflix show. I mean, just casual you know, running your own show. Um, Speaking of productivity list, check, check. Like that was, that was my like life goal. goal Yeah. Yeah. So it's called skin decision. If you haven't checked it out, please do. Um, I will preface it as um, if you have a weak stomach, like you might want to to fast forward. Like I do. I was like, Oh, okay. Let me, cause I just like, like to hear you talk about it and I don't really need to see the surgery. So, but I love the whole ethos of the show and of your practice, how you say that our skin tells a story. And I think that is so when when you guys said that, it's so true. It has such an impact on our inner confidence, how we project to the world, what we showcase. And I mean, Scout and I can attest to it. We have gone through really horrible uh, points of acne. And I know that you deal. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. It was not really horrible points of acne. We had a little bit of acne. We We were like acne and it was debilitating. I didn't go outside. It hurts your confidence. It okay. Moral of the story. It hurts your confidence. So I just want to ask, you know, you have an incredible past. You immigrated here from Iran and Mm -hmm. when you were seven years old, which is fascinating in itself so what has your experience been with skin and doctors and and why did you go out to make this your life purpose so I mean I have to start by saying you know I'm a plastic surgeon so skin is like you know part of what I do but we do everything from skin skin care I have my own e-commerce site where we sort of curate skincare so we're kind of like the violet gray of medical grade skincare so a lot of these brands would great metaphor yeah so a lot of people wouldn't allow like a non-doctor to sell their products online because it is stronger um so we're able to bring stuff to to e-commerce that other people are not able to get their hands on um also being a doctor i can actually read the studies and be like bullshit you know (laughs) like a lot of the scar creams out there they'll actually take their y-axis and stretch it so it looks like there's a big difference before and after but there isn't and it's like a billion dollar industry and it's just 99 percent of its crap so it's kind of like with the md comes responsibility so we sort of you know, make that our, um, part of our like goal is to give people good stuff, the good stuff. So we have that, we have injectables, I have 30 lasers. Um, and then we have our plastic surgery practice as well. So two operating rooms, my husband and I share. Um, and so it's just like the full gamut. We're bringing on drips now. I even got a reflexologist to come in for, um, lymphatic massage after liposuction and stuff like that. So we're really trying to make it like a one-stop shop. 
where you can go look natural. You won't look like a crazy person. And the reason why I got a lot into skin was because of my first facelift. So I did a facelift and I was so proud of it and it was so good. And, um, you know, I was looking at it with my husband and he was like, but there's still wrinkles and like, she still has spots all over her face. And I was like, oh crap. Like no matter how, it's like almost like making a bed, like you can tuck the sheets and like make them perfect. But if it's stained and wrinkled, nobody wants to sleep in that bed. So it's kind of like the same thing. And so I was like, okay, well, I have to like treat all of it. We don't just age in one dimension. There's all, so that's how I really got like, you know, deep dive into skincare. The show actually, um, we deal with skin, we deal with volume loss. We do, we do surgeries, scars, um, whatever it is. So it is really the full gamut of, you know, rejuvenation slash reconstructive plastic surgery. Um, and the whole purpose of the show was first of all, female representation about beauty and surgery was like minimal on TV where 95% of a plastic surgery patients are female. So it's really been this whole thing of men telling women what they should look like for a very, very long time. So that was one of my goals for the show. Um, the other thing too, is it's very, can you guys think of one time where a woman got on TV and said, I am really good at this and watch me do it. Can you think of an example where somebody like gets crickets. on TV? Yeah, exactly. So that was another thing is really showing, giving that like role model aspect to young women out there that I didn't have, right? Every woman I knew that was a surgeon was very manly because they had to be to survive, but to be feminine, dress well, you know, do all this crap to your face and to yourself and be a badass surgeon. Like that is what I want to show young girls out there is you know one of my my social media girl got me this necklace that's an and sign and she said you are like there's this huge like thing going around if you guys have heard of it where it's like the and other type of mentality that you don't just have to be a surgeon you can be a surgeon and a mom you can be a mom and a fashionista it gives you permission to not just be like this which is what surgeons are taught like we took the time to train you now go die with a knife in your hand and if you do anything else, it's unprofessional, unethical, and like, why did we train you? You know, so it was almost like giving people permission to be feminine and also be a career woman and also be a mom and also be a wife and all of those things. So that was another um, goal. And then the final goal was plastic surgery is not a circus. It's not a circus act. You know, these are real people. They're educated people. They're, it's real life situations. It's not like I went to Tijuana and got a tummy tuck on ice with no anesthesia. That's not plastic surgery, you know? So we really wanted to tell people stories and make it okay for people to want to do self-care. Because as you know, like you, you have a Persian boyfriend, I'm Persian. In my culture, if a woman spends money on herself over her kids, it's really frowned upon. Like you should feel guilty about that. And so it was also like giving people a little flip on it and being like, when we help a mom, if she feels better, she's going to be a better mom. She's going to do more for the people around her. And it's got these like ripple effects that we see all the time in my office. So, so those were like all of the different things. And it was really, it really changed the landscape of the industry and how it's perceived by the public. 
And before that, I used to get like hate from my colleagues. Um, they were like, who does she think she is? You know, when I would post myself in a gown on my Instagram, they would call it unfair tactics. Like, because I'm advocating for myself as a woman and I know Instagram's a visual platform. So I'm not going to post an ugly picture. Like I'm not dumb, you know, <laughs> like, so it was, it was, you know, now that it's sort of elevated the entire industry, now everybody's on board and like team Sheila. And I don't know if you guys have seen Chef's Table on Netflix. Have you guys seen that show? Yes. Where all of their stories are like, they shot on me, they shot on me, they shot on me. And then you get your Michelin star and now they're like gone, yeah. right? So it's like, now they're great. Now everybody wants to eat there. Whereas before they're like, you're bastardizing our menu. Right. Like, how dare you disappoint the country like that? It was kind of like that. And then when the show hit, it was like, Sheila, we love Sheila. <laughs> I mean, it's not how it always goes. And it seems like you completely. Yeah, but it's like, I didn't know. Yeah. You know, who knows? No, but I didn't know. You pioneered a space for yourself and for females within this space. And I completely agree with you. When you think of plastic surgeons, it's like they're, it's very medical and it's very male dominated. And the photos are always them in scrubs. And it's, you know, you're not looking at like a sexy woman when you think plastic surgeon. So changing that narrative and changing that visual is super important. And I want to ask like, you're obviously changing the game for female plastic surgeons, but also for plastic surgery in general. What are kind of the biggest misconceptions you keep hearing about, about plastic surgery that you would like to destigmatize? Totally. Thank you for asking that question because uh, my hashtag's natural by Nazarian. So uh, I think people, I always tell people that you only notice bad work. You don't notice the good work. Right right? So everybody's so scared of getting lip filler or getting whatever. You guys, I have eight syringes of filler in my face for the last 13 years. <laughs> oh my God. So it's like, you don't have to look unnatural. You just have to sort of um, maintain and prevent and uh, replace volume loss. You know, we're constantly losing bony volume, muscle volume, fat in the face. And when that happens, things drop. And I always tell people I don't mind wrinkles, but I'm allergic to sagging. So once somebody starts to sag, it's like SOS, start CPR, like we need to, we need to fix this. Um, and also like if you keep things up, you can avoid surgery later. So it's kind of, and depending on your genetics, I'm not going to say, you know, totally, but you can definitely push it off for a while. So um, I, I think um, just letting people know that you don't have to look fake when you walk into a plastic surgeon's office, you can look completely natural and just well rested and refreshed walking out. I think that was one of the big, big teaching points. I think also with this idea of like this natural look versus this fake look also comes sort of an intersection of accepting who you are, but maintaining and preventing. And it's such a fine line that I think to this day gets completely botched in you know mainstream culture people think if you do some people think if you do anything you're fake and then other people think if you go this extreme you're fake and there's all these in-betweens of judgment how do you kind of reconcile not reconcile but what's your philosophy around hey I just want this done or I want to prevent this or I you know to feel confident. I always say like yeah like it's almost like makeup like should you feel bad about putting on makeup when you go on a date you're not really representing yourself are you it's not yeah. your real skin you should feel bad about that don't shop at sephora anymore okay. like how ridiculous does that sound <laughs> no it's it, but it's such a spectrum it just doesn't i know i know but i think it's changing i think it is 
like my generation, if you told somebody you got Botox, it was like, yeah. it was almost like telling them you got a facelift. Um, now you guys were like, oh, I'm going for Botox. Like you don't care. So I think it's like slowly changing, especially because of social media and this whole like movement of authenticity. But I will tell you, I see all the time, like as a doctor, I know that girl got fat put in her butt and she's like a fitness model doing squats saying she does 150 squats a day. And that's how she got that butt. I'm like, girl, you're missing your hip dips. There's no muscle there. So I know you did something you know yeah. but like I feel like it still needs has a long way to go uh, but I'll like show myself like getting stuff injected all the time um just because I want the conversation to happen I, I don't want young girls out there to think that some things are achievable naturally when they're not I think that's worse can you talk to me explain why some things are preventative like I don't understand like how is Botox preventative so like yeah if you, if you don't so Botox just so for people who don't know out there or it's just one type of one brand of neurotoxin mm. there's Dysport, there's Xeomin there's Juvo that came out there's another one that's coming out next year that's supposed to last six months so these are neurotoxins they're from honey so the big misconception out there is it's snake poison <laughs> It's actually, I don't know if you guys have any younger siblings, but you can't give honey to a baby younger than one because they'll get botulism. So it's actually a naturally found toxin in our food. Um, but when it's injected into the muscle, it gives about three to four months of temporarily weak, temporary weakness to that muscle. So I don't know if you're, you look at your moms and they have these lines like engraved. That's why I started Botox. I was looking at my family members and I was like, I'm not going out like that. So you just start getting a little bit, you know, baby Botox or, you know, just a little bit of preventative to just weaken those muscles. Like I wasn't used to wearing sunglasses, so I was always squinting in LA. It's so sunny. Or when I studied, I was always squinting. So I could see the lines starting. I've seen 20 year old, you know, girls walk in that already have lines etched in their face when they're not moving their face. Yeah. So I, I, I've kind of let go of judgment. Like before, like literally, no scout, like seven years ago, if some, if a 22 year old walked into my office, like asking for Botox, I'd be like getting ready to walk in the room and be like, are you crazy? Like blah, blah, blah. But the, but with social media, I think people have so much more knowledge about what they need. I mean, not that I like give everybody what they need. Actually, I'm like total opposite. People will walk in for something and I'm like, no, but here's what are actually doing today. Oh, can you talk about that? Can you talk about women that come in that maybe have a completely misinform in misinformation want to look like this want to do that and it's actually really not in their benefit or do or do people do people come to you with like an instagram filter and they're like make me like this never, never. my patient population i always tell people to young girls especially like young entrepreneurs i always tell them whatever you put out on social media is what you will attract hmm. i don't put out ditzy i don't put out uneducated I don't put out like come mess with me I not like none of that so I tend to and I also put out natural results mm -hmm. like if you want a big big booty like fake situation breasts that are 800 cc's I'm not your girl like do not come to me I am actually like hashtag sbq which is small breast queen like I'm all about putting in the smallest smallest breast implant to take like my soul cycling patient from an a cup to a b cup like that's what we do in my office so I get people flying in from all over the world for small breast implants because they're just so scared their male plastic surgeon is going to do something or convince them to do something they don't want to do so um so so I never get a patient come in with a picture of a celebrity make me look like this like ever Ever, ever, ever. Good. What scouts 
head is like, you know, it's just kind of you, but optimized or you, but rejuvenated or refreshed. And that's it. And that's what I put out there. That's what, what we do. And that's what I attract. So we keep the crazies away because only normal people want normal results. Amen. Only normal people want normal results. But just that philosophy and just attracting those type of clients is revolutionizing the plastic surgery industry because when we think of plastic surgery, we think boobs out to here and you can't move your face and the housewives look terrible. But if we all kind of, if plastic surgery is what you want, you know, some people might not want it, but if it is what you want, being really educated and going to someone like you where we can do natural, progressive, preventative, you know, measures little by little, I think is such a new way to think of plastic surgery. I mean, the other thing too is like, you know, thinking of your brand as a doctor is also revolutionary. Totally, totally. Talking about like brand. So what happens, like I'll get an influencer come in and her lips are like insane. And she's like, can you do tear trough filler for me? And I'm like, only after I dissolve that. Cause you know, she's going to go on her Instagram, talk about this as, and I'm, I'm her doctor and they're going to think I did that. And that, and that totally fucks with my brand. Wow. So it's kind of like insane as a, as a physician to be like, my brand, you know, is this, but that it's, it's true. You have to know what your brand is in any business. But you're- that's how you hire. That's what your website looks like. That's what your office furniture looks like. That's what your Instagram looks like. Like you have to be able to define who your audience is. And it's not everyone. I do not want to be everyone's doctor. All the crazies can stay home. And I will take my educated, badass women who want to look natural all day long. Oh, oh my God. I love that. You. You're amazing. No, I mean, you're, you're brilliant to, to know the value of branding. And you're totally right that I don't think it's it's you know very i don't think doctors are running around like being like oh my brand like i have to make sure and it's yeah no not at all we actually started our own conference um we had chris jenner as our keynote last year we've had bethany frankel as keynote we've had alexandra wilkes wilson who started glam squad and guilt.com um we've had tamara mellon who was the co-founder of jimmy chu and now she has her own shoe line and she did it all just digital she pulled out all the stores and she's like i'm going straight digital so we we actually started this conference it's think big on instagram but it's basically entrepreneurship for for all people i mean most people that follow me are in the aesthetic space so that's who comes um and we're going virtual this year but the first day and you guys will relate to this the first day is like business like how to prevent um, company theft, how to um, define your brand, what is SEO and how do you optimize, like all that stuff. And the second day kind of morphed over the last four years into what's holding you back. Mm. And I think that's the part that's useful for like everyone. I mean, I think it's all useful for everyone, but we basically are perfectionists. What do I look like? What are my colleagues going to say about me? What's my mom going to say about me? Whatever it is. Like you have all this knowledge and you know what works, but something is preventing you from just getting started. So we kind of like deep dive into that. So last year we had people crying. The last two years people said they were suicidal and the conference saved their life. Like it is like become such a huge thing where it just started about really talking about branding, innovation and growth in your business. But it's just, it's just kind of meshed into so much more. So like, and that was necessary. Like it's necessary for doctors to talk about that stuff. Like there is a high suicide rate. We're not top business in branding. It's almost unethical to say, to even talk about a brand as a doctor. It's so interesting because doctors kind of across the board 
are extremely intimate with their patients. It's very personal information that is being discussed from doctor to patient. Patients tell doctors things that they wouldn't even tell their significant other or spouse after years. And so for you to hone in even on the emotional aspect of the entire thing is so smart in my opinion because it is more as you say, than just the surgery. It's also the client relationship as well as the confidence factor that comes into why women walk into your office. Right. And I think um, we ask all the right questions. You know, we're always like trying to filter out people that are doing it for somebody else. We ask all these questions on our um, intake form that are like, why are you doing this? Um, Did someone say something? Is somebody pushing you to do this? Because we don't want those patients either. Because I always tell patients, like, I just got like a little literal thesis, one star Yelp review from this guy that um, my nurse actually did a virtual consult with. And there were so many red flags flying all over the place that were just like, I'm sorry, we, here's your money back. Like, we don't even want you as a patient in a very nice way. Um, But I think what people don't realize is we're interviewing you too. Like if you disrespect us, if you undermine our expertise, if you're not going to, if you're going to badmouth other doctors while you're interviewing with us, we're always constantly asking in our head, is this person capable of happiness? Because if they're not capable of happiness without surgery, there's no way in hell the surgery or whatever I do, the laser or the injectable is going to make them happy. So I'm constantly like, people are like, yeah, I met with two other plastic surgeons before I met with you. I'm like, great. You're being interviewed right now by me. Cause I'm not hungry. My staff's not hungry. We're booked out. And you know, we only take on the patients that we think are, are like helpable. And I feel, <laughs> you know? I mean, I feel like that's also just such a much better loyal relationship. Like it, it feels like it'd be much more trusting and grounded in like, I chose you, you chose me. And this is a right. huge decision that yeah, and that's what I like responded I said you know if I don't think I can have a healthy working relationship with a patient we're not going to take you on because that's I don't really want one patient to be taking up 99% of my mental space when all my patients deserve my mental space that right there <sighs> drop mic drop that is what every that is literally what every business owner who runs a client-based business needs to hear. One client should not take up 99%. I've been there. I have a client. So, you know, there's that one fucking client that I can't stop thinking about. No one client should take up 99% of your headspace. So exactly. true. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about aesthetic surgery and, um, you know, this natural, more aesthetic driven surgery, but Something that is highlighted on the show is some people will come to you from traumatic experiences, they have extreme scarring, and they have stories on their bodies that remind them of these traumas. And how how do you feel going through this? Like one, you change this individual's life, like that must feel completely fulfilling, but then also how do you practice self-care and understand that you cannot take on this trauma and take on this emotional weight as well. How do you balance that? So this might be like a surprising answer to you and maybe not what you're expecting to hear. But for me, giving people outstanding results is the baseline. It's almost like if you ask Madonna, like, how do you feel when you have a great concert? It's like, well, people pay to come to my concert and they're expecting a great time. So I don't go home and like pat myself on the back that I got rid of someone's scars or that I helped them. That is what I'm like, that's what I do. That's my job. So 
I was given a piece of advice from an o- crazy OBGYN attending. Like I was a medical student in New York. It was at Beth Israel and she was ape shit nuts. Like she was totally crazy, but I was sitting on a shuttle bus with her and we were going from like one New York hospital to another. I don't even know. And she said, Sheila, you're so like puppy dog eyed about plastic surgery, which I think by the way, you have to be in order to get through that residency. But um, she's like, at some point, a job becomes just a job and you have to have things outside of your life that give you fulfillment and make you happy as my children are screaming in the background. So um, that's the other thing I always tell super driven young girls is if a family is important to you, if you see that in your future, you have to make sure that you are putting as much time and effort into making that happen as you are in making your career happen. So at this, and also like have other things that give you fulfillment other than what you studied. Because after my thousandth breast augmentation or scar revision, that's not creative for me anymore. Like everybody thinks of plastic surgeon, they're like, it's so creative. And yeah, every patient's a little bit different, but the creativity in my life came from creating the show or my social media or filming content. Educating the masses for me is a lot more stimulating and exciting than performing the surgeries that I did on the show. Cause that's what I do every day. And I'm expected to give outstanding results. These are normal, healthy people that I'm trying to make more perfect. That's my job. So I actually am so happy you said that because I wrote down as uh, a quote that you wrote on your Instagram, a picture of your kids. And you said, you may love your job, but it won't give you back the love that your family can. And I think that sometimes in today's age, we're taught that we can have both, but one will suffer potentially, or that you can be really driven in your career. And then you just have to figure out what you're going to do with your kids or vice versa. Can you talk a little bit more about the fulfillment of your family and what that's brought to the fulfillment of your career in that relationship? Yeah, so I'm a first generation Persian Jew, like we discussed. And in our culture, like no like I said, like with Chef's table, like nobody understood what the hell I was doing. Like people, I was at Shabbat dinner. I was I think I was at Columbia and I was in New York, but I was here for like a weekend. So my cousin took me to Shabbat dinner at a family friend's. And and my aunt introduced me. She's like, This is Sheila. She's studying to become a plastic surgeon. And people were like, Yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, good luck with that. And then this one woman was like, Why? As soon as you have children, you're gonna have to quit you know, or like when I was just graduated from plastic surgery, I was at a birthday party and this grandma was like, well, if your husband's a surgeon and you're a surgeon, who feeds your kids? And I was like, they starve. Like, (laughs) but I think like my kids going through, like I had them during residency. I was working like 80 hours a week and like sleeping the rest of the time. Um, They became independent and I sort of raised them that way. Even now, like they'll get up in the morning and make their own omelet or the, you know, even like the eight-year-old will make sunny side up eggs for herself. Like I've just sort of made the expectation that God gave you hands, legs, and a brain surgeon and a plastic surgeon's brain. brain. <laughs> so, so use it. <laughs> you know, I think it's, and, and then if you, you know, look at helicopter moms or whatever, like their kids are, that's, and that's anyone's choice. But in order for me to be able to do what I do, I needed to have kids that were self-sufficient. And so that's sort of how I raise them. And I ask them now, even like Scout, I'll be like, do you wish your mom stayed at home? And my son sometimes might be like, I want you to hire a chef. So we have fresh food every day. 
<laughs> but like, but they're like, no, mom, you go do your thing, you know, because I'm more of like a tiger mom. I'll be like, turn off the TV, go exercise, like take a shower, you know, like I'll, I'm like more or like go to bed. So they know that they have a little bit more independence when I'm busy rather than being on top of them and making sure they're, you know, doing this and that. I love that. I think it's so important. I always, I always get really frustrated because my husband's in a PhD program. And so I'm the breadwinner of the family. And so when we have kids, like I have to continue working, not, I, not, I have to, I get to, and I yeah. choose to, yeah. um, yeah. but nobody ever asks him what he's going to do or if he's going to take time off or how he's going to finish his PhD. They always ask me what I'm going to do. And it's, and it's frustrating. Can I ask you a question too? Do you guys have kids yet or no? Not yet. Oh, because I, I just, you know, in my conference, I have this one doctor who um, is like a female empowerment coach. She's an anesthesiologist. And she talks about how even in homes where the dad is stay at home and the wife is the primary breadwinner, 80% of the housework and childcare still, still falls on the woman. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. And wild. it's not, I thought that was like cultural and it's not, it's actually studies up in the US. Yeah. I just think maybe well, as women, we are I don't know. We need to step back. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, maybe we just like feel this weird, like compelling. That's so bizarre. No, I'll tell you what it is, Maddie, and what I came to realize. Cause I was like, no, like we have to be 50, 50 and like all of the stuff, but no one is a mom. And I always tell people my, my patients can go choose from a thousand plastic surgeons in like a 10 block radius in Beverly Hills. But my kids only have one mom. So I always tell people like, you know, I'm always there for a patient emergency over a family non-emergency, but a family emergency always tops a patient emergency. Yeah. So you, you have to kind of prioritize, you know, um, kind of how you're, you're going to spend time. But I'll tell you, COVID was really like silver lining for me because now like I'm in the office three days a week and I work from home two days a week. So I only do virtual consults now. So before I was seeing like on Wednesdays, I would see eight new patients. Now I'm able to see 25 new patients virtually from home because there isn't like, fill out your paperwork. It's all DocuSign now. It's done. Photos are submitted by the patient before I even get on the thing. I already have a list of like, like everything I'm going to do to them. It looks like that. And when I get on, I'm like, here's what we're going to do. And I think the cool thing about the show was I don't have to credential me anymore. Like they know I'm their doctor already. You don't have to like sell me. yourself. Yeah. You're like. Yeah, exactly. So I literally get on and I'm like, here's what we're going to yeah. do. And they're like, how much does it cost? <laughs> like, you know? So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's been, you know, a huge journey. I think the, the kids are supportive and I had to have like their support, my husband's support. Mm-hmm. He was really like, I don't know, you know, if you want to be on tv like we're traumatized as jews from iran you know like <laughs> so he's like don't say shabbat shalom on your instagram and i'm like no of course you should <laughs> we celebrate love the shabbat shaloms from you so we will continue consuming that all day long Can you believe you guys that like as a persian jew that escaped from iran because i'm jewish like that is an act of activism for me to just even say shabbat shalom like it's crazy. I was talking to someone and she was basically saying putting the Israeli flag in her bio was like so stressful, even though she's Israeli. Wow. Yeah. I it mean, is, it can get it, political real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Super. It's just strange because because I mean, our our father immigrated from Egypt and he was kicked out of Egypt for being Jewish. But it's just interesting because we were just grow, we grew up to be so proud to be Jewish. So it just it doesn't even 
it doesn't even register in my mind. It's just like, oh, Shabbat, here we go. Let's drink and... Yeah. I mean, that's, that's lovely. And that's one of the reasons, like I, I put my kids in that school because I didn't want them to feel yeah. abnormal, but I know it's going to be a little bit of a shock going to college totally. eventually. It, um, it works out. I but- didn't know. I did not have someone in my contacts. I went to Jewish private school my whole life. Yeah. I did yeah. not have one person in my phone book that wasn't Jewish until I was 18 and went to college. Not yeah. one. It was, that's, that's I did okay. fine. You know, I did okay. Yeah. Okay. I just think it's, though I think it's different now it's yeah different. okay I want to talk a little bit about trends some trends that you're seeing so in your practice what are like the top services you get time and time again I mean I will tell you that I'm kind of the the influencer of the aesthetic space mm. so I get my pick of devices and products and I'm the first to get it in the country Ooh. I get to vet it on my own person and on my staff and if I don't like it I just send it back and I never talk about it so what I would tell people whoever's listening is if you go on my like Nazarian plastic surgery website and just go under the devices tab those are the best like that's the best for every one device I've tried four on my own body so like even if you can't come to LA find someone in your area that has that device like (laughs) that's what I would tell you um but yeah I mean I think that you know Trends wise, I think non-invasive skin tightening is really huge right now. So radio frequencies, like the best technology out there, whether it's under the skin or need microneedling with radio frequency, what I will tell you is microneedling by itself is kind of like yoga. Like you, you know, it's good for the mind, like you're self-caring, but one Pilates class, so you'll actually see muscle. That Pilates is like microneedling radio frequency. Microneedling by itself is like 10 yoga classes will get you one Pilates as far as muscle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I just feel like a microneedling pen, that's why it's so confusing. I feel so bad for the younger generations on Instagram because a microneedling pen, just so you guys know, costs like $3,500 for us to buy. So everybody and their mother is going to have that because the ROI on that is so quick. Like you treat five patients and you've paid for the device, right? Whereas a microneedling radio frequency device might be seventy-five to one hundred fifty thousand dollars. So you're never going to hear about that on Instagram because not everybody and their mother and their dog has it. So that's what I always like tell people. And the other thing too is like another tip just for your audience is you want to go to someone that has everything. So if you just go to a surgeon, you're going to get surgery. If you go to a spa, you're going to get non-invasive stuff. But if you go to a plastic surgeon that has all the things, then you're just going to get what you need. And I think that's another huge pull towards some practices nearby, some of my colleagues, you know, that we have a lot of devices. We're just going to tell you what you need. And I think that's another huge tip. So I would say non-invasive skin tightening is huge. I would say anything um, butt related is kind of huge, whether it's cellulite or fat transfer to the butt, or now there's, um, cadaver fat that's irradiated that could be mixed with Sculptra, which is also biostimulatory. So when you inject it, it builds your own fat and collagen wherever it's injected and don't make a face. It's kind of like your collagen powder. What do you think that is? I they literally like- drink it every night. So <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what is that from? Same thing, but fat. So um, it's just the scaffolding of fat. There's no like cells or viruses or anything in there. It's just like your body sees it and they're like, I will build fat here. So for the people that like are soul cyclers and have no booty and no fat to transfer into their butt, like this is a great option. You walk in, you get it injected and you grow your own butt. Like that's great. So that's one thing. Um, I think smaller breast implants are huge right now or fat transfer into the breast. So people are coming into me 
removing their old massive breast implants, maybe getting a breast lift and then liposuctioning another part of their body and moving their own fat to their breasts, which is funny because I remember being in Iran and like my mom having tea with her friends and being like, I wish I could take this and stick it up here. And we'd be like, ha ha ha. And that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what you're doing now. (laughs) So I think like, you know, people are, are moving more towards natural results. Thank God. Cause it's just safer. Um, and it's easier to obtain a better result when you, when you stay natural and kind of respect people's anatomy and don't try to shove like a massive water balloon into someone's chest, you know? Love yeah. That. So I love that. Um, okay. Real quick before we wrap up and ask our last question, if someone's listening to this and they're considering getting some sort of work done, where do you recommend they start? What are the questions they need to be asking themselves and how can they advocate for their results in a doctor's office if they're not seeing you? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's very tricky and it's very confusing right now. So, you know, a board certified plastic surgeon has gone through general surgery training, plastic surgery training, reconstructive training, microsurgery, burn surgery, hand surgery. So we basically like understand the anatomy of the whole body. There's a lot of fakes out there, unfortunately. Um, And I'm not sure the public cares anymore if someone's actually trained or not. Um, They've created like the board of cosmetic surgery, which is not a real board. They just like kind of made it up. And these are your OBGYNs or your general surgeons that don't have training in plastic surgery or trauma surgeons or OBGYN, like whatever it is, just up anything optometrists that are performing plastic surgery procedures and they created their own board that's cosmetic surgery and they're like well we're cosmetic surgery like you want us right so i think there's that now there's um dentists doing botox and there's like especially in beverly hills like as insurance payments go down everybody's trying to pour into like the cash pay cosmetic business so i think it's gotten really really confusing one way to vet is ask them what they did their residency training in. Hmm. So don't ask, are you board certified? Because they might be board certified in internal medicine and they're about to do some fillers in your face, which is fine if you like their, you know, if that's, but as long as you know what they trained in. Hmm. But I just don't like it when they come in, they're like, I'm a cosmetic dermatologist and they did an anesthesia residency. Like that's really misleading. And I, now that kind of pisses me off. But if they're like, I'm an anesthesiologist, let me do your filler. And you're like, okay, then fine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that's not just the way it's presented. So just asking someone if they're board certified, they'll be like, yes, I'm board certified. You don't know that they're board certified anesthesia. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, I would say, ask people, what did you do your residency training in? That's a really good question. Second question is if I wanted to, could you do this procedure in a hospital? Now I would never do like a breast dog in a hospital because just the hospital fees would be like $20,000. It's, it's ridiculous, but I can do it in a hospital because hospitals will only allow you to stay in your lane. So a hospital would never allow a general surgeon to do a breast augmentation. A hospital would never allow an anesthesiologist to do a tummy tuck. Okay. Very interesting. So just those two questions, even though you'd never want your plastic surgery in a hospital because it's so much more expensive, yeah. you wouldn't want it. But you should just ask, can you do this in a hospital if I wanted you to? Like, do you have privileges at a hospital? And two, what did you actually train in? What was your residency in? And then look for their certificate on the wall. Because trust me, after the shit I went through, you know I have all my certificates. Like, (laughs) (laughs) You will will see these certificates. You will see this. You will see this walking down my hallway. Exactly. Okay, our last question that we love to ask every woman that comes on OK Sis if you were to brag about one thing in your life and you cannot be humble, what would you brag about? 
I think, you know, other than like my kids not being on crack, like that's good. (laughs) Um, I think that the one thing that I'm really proud of is I kind of broke the mold in so many ways and really pioneered for women to find their voice. And um, I was so the opposite of that with imposter syndrome and um, wanting everyone to like me and all of that stuff. And I think I'm really proud of the fact that I reached the point where I was like, I know who I am. My husband knows who I am. My dad's proud of me. My kids love me. And that's my Thanksgiving dinner. I don't need gravy. I don't need cranberry sauce. I just need the turkey, you know? (laughs) And I think once I came to that realization and then also really this is going to be like super good for you guys to hear is, you know, why do you care about someone's opinion when they want to see you fail? They'd rather see you fail than succeed. And you're worried about what they think about you. Why? So I think once you come to that realization, it it just like is like a huge weight lifted off of you and you can really do what you know is going to make you successful. And you're not worried about hurting other people's eyes with your shine anymore. You're like, you know what? I got this. I got this. I know who I am and I'm not afraid to talk about it and advocate for myself because what I learned is it's not narcissistic. It's not bragging. It's setting an example for other young girls out there who had nobody else to look up to. Mm, That's beautiful. Oh, I think that might be one of my favorite answers. Amen. Wow. Amen. Amen. That was incredible. Let everyone know where they can find you because everybody and their mother needs to be following you. So I think the place I'm most active is on Instagram. I have five Instagrams, um, but it's uh, Dr. Sheila Nazarian. Dr. Sheila Nazarian is um, where I'm most active. And in my link tree, there's links to all of the other um, Instagrams. And the reason why I separate out is what Maddie said in the beginning. Like, you don't want to see live surgery. You'd like to grow up if you're eating breakfast and you scrolled past that. So I had to create like a surgery page and I create a spa page. The other thing too is, For young entrepreneurs, like always have your exit strategy. So I created, you know, the Skin Spot, which is our e-commerce site, and I created its own social media, its own YouTube, because one day if I decide to sell it, you want to have that packaged and ready to go. So I kind of did that with all of my entities. So smart. I got to sign up for your conference. It sounds so (laughs) up my alley, man. I'm I'm jumping on the bandwagon. And we're coming in for Botox. Yeah, Get it, girl. We're yeah, because I uh, I did Botox and my face moved a week later. My face moved the entire time. My face was never frozen. It's also, I think it depends on the like how much they put into thirty units. Always, thirty units is not enough. I would do like fifty. Oh, okay. I do fifty in myself. Yeah, because it's kind of like you have a headache and I give you half a Tylenol. It may or may not take your headache away, and if it doesn't, you should take the full. No, Tylenol. we need four Tylenol. Um, okay. <laughs> Okay, love it. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you. much for coming on. This was so lovely. Um, and you can find all of us at Ogres' Podcast. Love you, sisters.
Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together. 